You're listening to a Morley Radio production. Welcome to Artcast Season 3, Episode 7. Artcast is presented by Matt G, who is the Programme Area Manager of Fine Arts at the Chelsea Centre, part of Bordy College London. We will be joined by Emma Allen from our agency in fine art and Say Adams from New York. So it's bright and early for him. Say Adams is a graffiti artist who began from the late 70s to the early 80s. His work has been exhibited alongside Jean-Michel Basquiat and Keith Herring. In 1983, he formed a close relationship with the Beastie Boys and designed their covers. He's also worked with Russell Simmons' Rush Artist Management to create logos and tour merchandise. He and partnered with Steve Carr and co-founded the Drawing Board, an in-house visual design for Def Jam Records that oversaw the visual style of artists. He's had collaborations with Levi's, Nike, Coca-Cola and Warner Brothers. He's also previously designed clothes for Run DMC for Adidas and in 2006 he was commissioned to design his own custom tracksuits and sneakers featuring the Beastie Boys. He's known for his themes of pop culture, race, gender, relations, and cultural and community issues. Okay, so today we've got Say Adams. Hi, Say. How's it going? How are you? Good. This is um, Emma from our Hi. HNC Hi. in Fine Hello. Art. Really excited. Hi. Yeah. Where are you guys at in the UK? Uh, we're in Chelsea in West London. Okay. Do you, know, do you know London that much? I mean, a, a little bit. Uh, my friend Jeanette Beckman um, was born and raised there. And, you know, I've been there, you know, a dozen times. But, you know, I'm a New Yorker. So, you know, yeah. it's like, you know, the Chelsea I know is is the one here. But, you know, I, I know enough about London to, you know, get by in a conversation. Cool. Okay, um, so yeah, we'll kick off. Uh, the first question I ask all my guests is, what's your favorite color and why? Well, today it's black, um, but that's sort of born out of uh, punk rock and things like that. And sort of growing up, you know, everything black was cool. And, and certainly Johnny Cash established that in the <laughs> 40s and 50s. And, and it just has always remained that. It's something that you can use, you know, for anything, you know, and, and I guess you weren't really talking about clothes, but, you know, when I think of black, I think of, you know, clothes first and foremost, or, you know, it's a color paint that I like to use a lot as well. Okay, great. So we'll get on to like your more recent work, but I want to go back to your sort of experience of art school. So, so where were you at and, and what original mediums did you used to work with? Wow. When I was um, a kid, you know, I've always been drawn to uh, acrylic for some reason. It was just really versatile. You put enough water in it, it it, it worked like watercolor. And then, it, you know, it was heavy enough where it worked like oil and latex and things like that. So I spent a lot of time trying to perfect my skills uh, with, with uh, you know, acrylic growing up. Okay. Excellent. Uh, and where where did you study out of interest? Um, in New York, um, you know, in Manhattan. And 
you know, like a lot of my friends, I was um, interested in, in graffiti and street art. Mm. But in, in the early days, I, I thought I wanted to be a comic book artist because I just loved illustration. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about some of the experiences from the 80s onwards and and context is everything. And some of our younger listeners, especially the students, should hear about your sort of legendary experiences. Can you talk to us a bit about your first experiences of being a graffiti artist, most notably being a graffiti writer during the 1980s and in New York, uh, arguably the global epicenter of that movement at the time, um, and touch upon artists you work with, for instance, Basquiat and Keith Herring. Uh, did you form much of a relationship with those two? Sure. We were all friends. Um, Growing up in the late 70s and early 80s, I, you know, I was a teenager in the 70s. I, I just turned 20 in the 80s. And it was just a great time because we didn't have a lot of distractions. We were just trying to make our mark, figure out how we were going to get our art in front of people that could support what we were doing. But it was just a simpler time and we had so much fun together. You know, Jean-Michel, Keith, uh, you know, Futura 2000, Fab Five Freddy, Lee Quiones, Lady Pink, myself, Dondi. We, we just ran around and we just had such a great time trying to make our mark and, and really establish our art careers. Mm. What kind of things did you make in that time? Well, strangely enough, is is very similar to some of the work that I do today. But when I was painting on trains, it was, you know, you paint your name as big as you can, as many times as you can, in as many colors as you can. Yeah. And that's what we did. <laughs> you know, it, it was it. very simple. It, it, it sort of became a bit of a, a, a waged war between the authorities and uh, painting all the trains white, but then yeah. the way they were priming your canvases, right? They were priming yeah. it for free. It's true. At the time, uh, <laughs> it, it was. It, it was a battle uh, of, you know, who could really outlast the other. And in the end, the MTA won the battle, but for a long time in, in the 70s and 80s, the New York City graffiti writers really you know, own the subway system. Yeah. Did you come across Goldie on your travels? In I mean, we time? know each other, but I don't have uh, much of a memory of him during that time. Hmm. Did it ever feel dangerous? Sure. But when you're a kid, there's no such thing as danger. Really? Yeah. You know, when you're a kid, it's adventure. True. And you're just rebellious. And all you want to do is take every chance that there is nothing scary. <laughs> and, you know, I, I say that looking back as an adult and a parent, it, it was, it was insane because it was dangerous mm -hmm. and we just had no fear. Wow. If you could have um, had your dream come true at that point and you're graffitiing your name on the trains, it's like it's going to happen for me. What would that be? Well, certainly to establish myself as a working artist. That that was the thing, just to be able to sustain yourself and to be able to come home and have your parents see that this thing that you've loved since birth is finally blossomed into something that they could be proud of. <laughs> That's lovely. Yeah. Because I've been an artist my whole life. 
I've never wanted to be a fireman, a, a police officer, a janitor, you know, the, work in a, an office, a factory, nothing. Amazing. Where does it come from? I don't know. Just inside. Nobody else in my family is an artist. So it definitely didn't come from my folks. But uh, I just always love making art. Yeah. And there's like so much positivity within your work. I think you really try to capture the similarities that we have amongst ourselves in society rather than the differences. And you talk about the word love playing a big role in your work. I was wondering if you could talk to us about this initiative, National Mural Day, and this, this yeah. sort of idea, sense of community, highlighting up and coming yeah. artists and giving well, people. National Mural Day was born as a way of reminding people that artists need to be celebrated and particularly street artists because the work that they do is really about celebrating the community. And, mm. and, and that's what it is. That was one of the things that I set out to do when I created National Mural Day with my friends at Pabst Blue Ribbon was to just to celebrate the visual artists. And, you know, now it's a global movement. When you look at street art, all yeah. over the world, thanks to social media, everybody gets an opportunity to shine without having to go through some of the traditional channels that we went through when we were teenagers back in the 70s. Mm. Yeah. And um, how would you say the, the sort of graffiti and hip-hop scenes changed since you first started? Well, just like I said, you, yeah. you don't have to go door to door. Okay. You can display your work on social media and the brands and collectors and clients can come straight to you. And you don't need any middleman. And that's wonderful. I, I wish it was around in the 80s. Do you think more people are buying art now? Yes, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And I, I think that people are more educated about art. They, the, the stuffiness yeah. of the traditional art world from back in the day has had to really readjust itself because artists don't need that kind of representation anymore. Mm -hmm. It's great for some blue chip situations like, you know, if, if you want museum entry, but even museums now are looking outside of the traditional yeah. system to embrace younger and younger artists and they don't have to wait a literal lifetime to get discovered. Yeah. Do you, what, what, what do you think made that transition? Uh, do you think it was maybe uh, going from like sort of general graffiti writing towards more sort of like font and like letter forms and sort of that maybe commercialized it a bit more in a sense? I, I think what it is is the old guard got cast aside because <clears throat> younger people don't want to spend a lifetime to be heard. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I remember years ago, I was at the Museum of Modern Art, MoMA, and we were doing an interview about an exhibition that they were putting up to celebrate, you know, you know, graffiti artists. And I was one of the artists in the show. And like I told them, it's taken me 20 years to get here. That's mm -hmm. a long time if yeah. you are 15 years old. 
Yeah, it's that's a long time. Yeah, yeah, and any and anybody's lifetime is a long time. But if you're an artist, that's deflating to hear. Oh, we'll come and check in on you in twenty years and see if you're still doing this. No, yeah. I'm doing it right now. If you dig what I'm doing, embrace it right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. So, have you got any sort of tips in terms of getting exposure and gallery representation? Obviously, there's lots of baby steps that come before that those big museum shows. Uh, well, I, I do believe that it's important to make work. Yeah, I, I think that young people have to make work, save things, don't throw anything away. I, I, I wish I could look at the work that I did when I was 5, 10, 15, even 20. Even that yeah. was 40 years ago. So that that's what I mean. If you could hang on to those things, that's really great. And it is hard because very often the work that we do, we think is not good enough when you're mm-hmm. younger. But in the end, that's a blueprint to show you how you got to the future. It is. And it's quite scary. Lucian Freud had a picture from when he was seven. And it's like, wow, I love that the most of everything. <laughs> yeah. It's from you, doesn't it? So, yeah. So what's exciting that you're doing at the moment? Like today, what's happening? Uh, aside from living, well, um, uh, well, so, uh, that's the most exciting thing is just being able to, you know, be here d- during the, this crazy pandemic. And I, I, I think ultimately, you know, one of the things that I, I just done is I was looking to see if I had it here, but um, I just did this beautiful. Uh, anthology with the Smithsonian Institute here in uh, America, and it's called the Smithsonian Anthology of Hip Hop and Rap. It's a 300-page coffee table book and a nine-CD box set that celebrates the the history uh, of hip hop. And, you know, this is a great time to mention this because this is the this year marks the 50th anniversary of the beginning of hip hop. And it, it's so great because all year long, all over the world, we're going to be celebrating the anniversary of hip hop and all of the, the pioneers that were born out of this movement from, mm-hmm. you know, graffiti artists like Dondi White to, you know, legendary DJs like Grandmaster Flash breakdancers like Crazy Legs from the Rocksteady crew, the Beastie Boys, Run DMC, LL Cool J, Public Enemy, um, Lady Pink, you know, Zephyr, Futura 2000. The list goes on and on and on. My, myself, th- there's so many cultural pioneers that have helped to shape the culture. And this is our opportunity to really to celebrate and to thank them all. Yeah. On and on and on. Bismarcky, the notorious B.I.G. It's just amazing. Yeah. How did you sort of begin getting your art out there to musicians? Because originally, eventually, you went on to be creative director of Def Jam, and you. How many? I mean, how many album covers have you designed? Would you say? Oh my goodness! Um, easily over a hundred. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, I never set out to work with recording artists. It was more about. A, a vehicle to express myself through art. I, I met Rick Rubin and Russell Simmons when they were forming Def Jam, and I was really in the right place at the right time. There, there was, there's no 
aha moment. It, it was just, that's the beauty of being in New York City at that time in the 80s. And, and the same thing goes with meeting Run DMC and the Beastie Boys. Yeah. I, I was there and I was the right guy doing the right thing. And it, it was a part of that hip hop culture. You know, yeah, yeah. it was part of your world. Yeah, but I, I was in the room. If I'd lived in, you know, Wyoming, I, I wouldn't have the same story. Mm. And that that's the beauty of, you know, coming out of major markets like New York, London, Paris, um, you know, L.A. Those things can happen. But, man, it, it was it was wonderful, even though when you talk about this, people think, you know, it was an instant windfall and it was all this money. It, it, it wasn't like that. It was just a bunch of creative friends having fun and really just trying to get through being young and, yeah. and trying to enjoy ourselves while we perfect our craft. And mm. what more can you ask for? Mm. You must have some pretty rock and roll stories of working with these musicians. Or what was the hip hop equivalent to rock rock and roll lifestyle? Well, it kind of hip hop. I mean, you know, it's like hip hop. You've seen it. It it was a simpler time because we had less responsibility. Mm. Don't you don't have family to contend with? You know, not that you know that that's an issue but i'm just saying you know from a parenting perspective you you don't have those kind of responsibilities it's really just about you chasing your dream whatever it is and i think now younger artists have all of these other things to contend with because the other thing is they know what success looks like because it it's been 50 years since the culture started and they can point to the success of Jean-Michel Basquiat, Keith Haring, Kahinde Wiley, Jay-Z, and all of these other folks. And their dreams are much, much bigger than they were 30, 40, and 50 years ago. Yeah. How, how would you say success is defined in that way? Well, I think it depends on who you are. For me, it was being able to hold a hot dog in my hand and to have bus fare to get home at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I it was, that it it's fun. That, having fun, being in the moment, all those things. But success yeah. In yeah. has a different kind of meaning. It, it, it's all relative, really. When you're in your 20s, you don't need as much as somebody in their 30s or somebody in their 40s. And so when I was a teenager, all I wanted was to be able to, you know, eat a meal outside of my parents' dinner table <laughs> or, you know, drink soda pop or whatever it was or to be able to have enough money to, you know, buy a bike and to have art supplies as well and not have it be, you know, one or the other. Yeah. Cool. And you've worked with lots of different types of merchandise. What would you say is the most enjoyable one? My, my personal favorite of mine is the, the Hot Wheels collaboration oh, recently. Nice. I, I appreciate hearing that. You know, let's use that as an example. When I was eight years old, I, I fell in love with Hot Wheels. They, um, I think, was established in 1968. 
I, I'm a kid. I'm a kid. I'm under 10 years old. And <laughs> it was my whole world. The, you know, the, those, you know, beautiful little cars. And I just thought it was the greatest thing ever. And so as an adult, to have that brand knock on your door and say, wow, see what you're doing. And we want to support what you're doing. And they're going to give me the space to create my wildest dream and, and make it a reality. Man, I can't tell you. I, I get goosebumps just thinking about that moment right now. It was wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Cool. And uh, your recent work's called Trusted Brands. Could you say a bit more about the idea and concepts behind the mediums? And Sure. Well, Trusted Brands was born out of th this idea that I wanted to celebrate the brands that I loved growing up. It was a way of merging my, my graphic design career with my fine art career and putting those two things together and, and seeing what kind of synergy there is. And you know, celebrating the, the the graphic skill of the brands, not the brand itself. And, and that's where people sort of get confused. The idea is I'm celebrating the, the, the craftsmanship, the men and women that designed the, those logo marks. Mm. And then showing people that I can take that and create art inside of what somebody has already done without disrespecting, you know, the graphic, you know, box that the work is in. And there's so many ways to tell interesting stories. For example, one of the things that I stumbled upon was based on the, the, the last administration here in the United States, I discovered that the American flag is the number one brand in America. <laughs> that is the number one product that we have. Wow. wow. And it's the number that. one export too, is we are always selling America. Yeah. And when I started to make my American flags, I, I learned so many things about how great that canvas can be for storytelling. Yeah. And uh, could you talk a bit about Black Flag number four, which was a couple of, well, just over a year ago? It's, it's massive. It's 192 inches by 96. And seems to be a very important work. Could you talk about the materials and context for that? Yeah. Well, well, again, the, the idea is I thought, well, what would happen if I stripped out the color and instead of it being red, white, and blue, it was all black? Just as a way of getting people to stop and mm. pay attention. And inside of that is storytelling. I'm not changing the American story, I'm enhancing it by showing people it, it, it's not just one thing. It, it, it's all of us together, collectively, black and white, you know, male and female, you know, Asian, mm -hmm. Latino, you know, you know, it, it's, it's not one thing. And to be able to create a narrative that explains that and lets everybody know that we are all represented here. It, it was so much fun. And to see people embrace the concept was just wonderful. And I thought, wow, you know, what a great thing that I had an opportunity to create something that is a vehicle to bring people together, not push people away. Did you think it would do that when you started creating it? Or did you say, oh, let's see? 
and then it became apparent. You know, I, 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 when I first started, I thought of it in, in a, 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 a sort of almost limited way. I thought it was just a great vehicle to teach kids how to paint and collage in straight lines. And I thought, okay, block of red, block of white, you know, perfect little stars. And I thought this is something that little kids can grasp and have fun with, and they don't have to worry about making a mistake. Yeah. And then it expanded. And then I thought, what if I took on this same task and see what it is I can do? And and that's how that was born. Wow. Mm. And uh, your trusted brands uh, was then put forward as a series of NFTs. If, is that a medium you've enjoyed working with? How have you found the sort of NFT world? It's been great, you know, but again, I, I did not have expectations of making gazillions of dollars or trying to take over the whole world. I just thought it, it's a, a, a nice, you know, new technology that allows me to expand my audience a little further. Yeah. And it, it, it was one of those things that, I, I would not have imagined being able to, you know, sometimes repurpose things that I had on my hard drive that nobody's ever going to see unless I make a piece of art out of it. But this was a way of connecting with a lot of people in a short amount of time and, you know, really just getting to tinker with some of the designs that I haven't looked at in a while. So it was fun. Yeah. Great. And do you sort of have quite a few uh, like urban galleries that you're sort of a fan of in New York. I mean, over here we've got quite a few. We've got like ones like Stolen Space and BSMT, which is a particular favorite of mine. I was wondering what's the sort of New York gallery scene like in that sense. Well, but the we have, really just graffiti. Uh, a really uh, beautiful gallery here called West Chelsea Contemporary. Okay. And they celebrate contemporary artists. And within that, this space for graffiti and street artists, as mm. well as the, the, you know, the American pop masters that I loved growing up. And so to be able to hang right alongside th those artists that I loved as a kid and to be celebrated in the same way is really wonderful because that's something that I would not have been able to imagine mm. when I was 20 years old or, or, you know, even 30 for that matter. So it, it's it's just great. I, I absolutely love it. Yeah, looks like they, I'm just looking at their site. It looks like they've got a big, nice, big gift shop as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If <laughs> uh, you have you got any sort of current graffiti writers or street artists that you would really recommend at the moment as well? You know, I I don't really. Uh, it's like a train that's moving too fast to keep up with. <laughs> I, I I I see it, and. You know, I don't know. It, it, it's weird. It's just, I, I I love that they're still out there. But now I, I sort of think in the space of an old man and it, it's, you know, so much vandalism. And I just think, oh, you know, one of these kids going to, you know, stop doing this. But I don't know. It, it, I, I, I like that it continues on. I just wish that some of the artists would, you know, do their homework and learn about 
their history and where they come from because yeah. in the end that's what's most important. And the same thing with the recording artists. I I I I hope that the younger artists learn about the people that paved the way to allow them to be where they are. You know, right now in LA, I'm doing a, a giant experiential uh exhibition celebrating the 50th anniversary of hip hop. And it's done through the lens of my photography friends that were there from the beginning. People like Jeanette Beckman and Danny Clinch and Michael Levine and uh, B Plus, whose name is Brian Cross, uh, as well as younger artists, uh, well, photographers like Gunnar Stahl. And together, along with myself and some of the visual artists, we're doing an exhibition that celebrates the 50th anniversary of hip hop and mm -hmm. showing beautiful photography and, and paintings, you know, from everybody from LL Cool J to uh, Drake and, and uh, Megan Thee Stallion and folks like that. And it's just wonderful to be able to witness all 50 years with my own two eyes and still be participating, it's just really amazing. Will that be online? Will, will we be able to see it? I sure hope so. Um, yeah. Well, right now, the, you know, the Grammys is, is organizing this for a, a live telecast and it's hosted by LL Cool J. But I imagine that it, it's going to be online, you know, after... It, it's um you know it's aired and they um edit it down and everything but we've been working on it for quite a few months and it's a lot of fun to reconnect with all of my friends and <clears throat> with the images that i've worked with in some cases on the records but man 50 years it, it's absolutely mind-blowing wow so like in terms of like hip hop artists now, are you currently listening to any particular new ones or is it predominantly the, the sort of historical ones that you like to listen to? You know what? I'm 60 years old. I'm not listening to any hip hop, like from any time period. You know, I, you know what I love is learning about music that was before my time. So, I, you know, I'm researching the blues now, jazz. I'm trying to learn about, you, you know, what makes Joni Mitchell so great. And, and younger artists that are making work in that vein. But, you know, I, I, I always, you know, will love hip hop, but, I, you know, I don't need to know what a 20 year old is talking about today. It's too fast. It, it, the references are like right here. I have grandkids and let them listen to it. You know, it, it, it's like I, I've had my time with all of that. And I, I you know, I want to celebrate Lauren Hill today. And, you know, it, it's fine. It's fine. It, it's just one of those things. Like there's a lot of music that's going on and it doesn't all have to be hip hop. But, you know, I'm an ambassador for the culture. Mm. And it, somebody wants to talk about, you know, this this movement, I'm going to, you know, talk about supporting all of it. Even if I'm not, you know, hip to exactly what's going on, I know who the players are because I'm still involved. But 
you know, I don't need to listen to every song. Yeah. I think it's good to keep growing, isn't it? You know, there's sure, sure. a history to everything. There's and there's new, new yeah. things all the time. Yeah. But you know, the, the other thing is you could spend your whole life listening to music that came before you and you will never get to the end. Of course. There's a lot of music. And just because I was born in this time period doesn't mean that that's the only thing that I, I have to listen to. And, you know, like I said, I, I, I my life predates hip hop, or at least, you know, a portion of it. And so I want to learn about that portion because, you know, I was instrumental, you know, during the sweet spot of, of hip hop. So, you know, I, I put in my time, you know, I, I've listened to more probably than the young people today. And behind you, there's a in your on your video, there's a drum behind you. Who who plays that? Well, that that's mine. I, I played that a little bit in the '90s uh, on the Beastie Boys tour when they uh, <laughs> first started switching the instrumental. So, yeah, that that's mine. Now I I just sort of you know fool around on it a little bit. I haven't been on the road in a long time. <laughs> Fun. On. So you said you were going to the studio later. Is that what will you be working on in there? Well, I'm. I'm now. I have a, a, a exhibition that's traveling around America, and it, it's titled "Say Adams Departure: Forty Years of Art and Design." So yeah. it's my work from the '70s, the '80s, the '90s, right up to present day, and it's a survey of my whole career. From the time I was a teenager until, you know, 60 years old. And it's just so wonderful to be able to look at your whole life and realize that you figured it out. You cracked the code. Whatever that thing was that I was searching for as a, a, a teen and a 20-something, I found it. Do you and really feel that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean, I just told you that story about Hot Wheels. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I've had major brands come to me to collaborate. And in the end, what more can you ask for? For yeah. them to come to you, not me knocking on their door. Yeah, you designed clothes for Run DMC with Adidas. Which is yeah, pretty- yeah. And, and to work with brands like Levi's and... and Pabst Blue Ribbon. It's just wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. <clears throat> and how long's your exhibition touring for? Well, um, hopefully until the end of next year. Wow. I mean, I'm gonna let it travel for as long as people that um want to see it. I mean, I, I hope we can get it to the UK. Yeah, I think there'd be a market for it for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah it would be fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's come, a lot of history. Come to Fulham. What else do we need to know? <laughs> I don't know. Um, What's more? You, you know, I, I just I, I just know that this is such a great time in history. I, I was in the, the UK uh, last year um, during the summer, and I did a talk at the you know University of London, and it was about diversity and inclusion. And we spoke to a bunch of, uh, you know, young college students. And it was primarily all black and brown people because it was um, to celebrate Black History Month in the UK. And it was wonderful to be Mm -hmm. able to 
to meet all those young people and to talk about this particular journey. It, it, it was fabulous. And to hear how influenced they were and, you know, when it comes to hip hop culture and how the music has made them think and the art is really informed who they are. It's just to be able to hear it firsthand and to be a part of that was just something that, you know, I could not have imagined when I was much younger. Amazing. How, that- how did you find the pandemic time? Was it a creative time for you or just a nightmare time? No, it was, it was horrible. Um, you know, my, my birthday is in March. Um, and I, you know, I got infected March of 2020. Wow, right at the start. And, and, um, you know, not that I, I call it a good thing, but I was working on the Smithsonian, uh, book at that time. And so I was literally sitting right here in front of my computer, but it was, you know, month after month. And that, that was the only thing. I kept my mind focused because, you know, we got hit hard in America and Brooklyn in particular. And it it was just, it was tough. Mm. And, you know, as time goes on, it doesn't really change because we all sort of see each other in a different way. You know, folks are traveling in UK and Europe but there were people in America that were afraid to go anywhere. Yeah, it changes social and, habits, doesn't it? Yeah, and it, it's a, a a hell of a, a culture shock mm. if you've had all these great years. I had you know these giant retrospective exhibitions planned and book tours and all of these things, and then the, this thing happens that's never happened in our history before, mm. and. It, it just it, it shocks you and it scares you and it, and it just really sort of you, you don't have a reference point mm. to say oh it's just like you know before only a little bit different yeah you, you know i've never seen anything like yeah that. i think that's what i'm like i think it's we have a, a tendency to sort of move on don't we but i'm trying to remind myself of that initial stage of the pandemic where i thought this is like some sort of apocalyptic thing and and how yeah. much now thinking about how i felt back in march 2020 like how much it makes you yeah. appreciate life more when it remind you yeah. and also yeah. imagine people twice your age yeah. there were people that couldn't go visit their grandparents right. and all of it and it's just changed the the family dynamic it's it, it, you know for every young person that dismissed it there were people that died mm. And, you know, man, that just, it sends a chill through your body if you're lucky enough to have it send a chill through your body. I still feel grateful that we can go out, (laughs) you know. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I found myself, I was going to go to a gallery opening this week and then I was thinking, oh, I might have a night in and I thought, no, go to this, (laughs) go to this opening. Yeah, yeah, you got to go. You know, I mean, and, and that's one of the things that's really wonderful about being an artist is that if people come out to celebrate you you know there's there's nothing better i i had this opening in uh october of last year and it was for the you know my retrospective and 
people came from far and wide and it was just wonderful to be in a room celebrating like the old days and there's a dj and young people and older people and there's art everywhere and i i just felt happy to be one of the people in the room even though i i was the the featured subject mm. it was just great do you think arts has to be shared oh without a doubt without a doubt um I think that it's really important because it makes people feel good. That's why I paint murals so I can be outside in the element and I can meet people and they can meet me mm. and I, I can get a first person reaction to what it is I'm making good or bad because sometimes they tell you if it doesn't hit the mark or if the, the, you know, the town needs something different or if they're just grateful that you came to their town. So that's one of the things that I love about uh, making art is that you, you get an unbiased opinion from the general public and they're not afraid to tell you how they feel. Sometimes people's response is surprising and you're like, I can't see that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just important that they're heard and they're just not afraid to tell you what they think and they're not worried about hurting your feelings. But at the same time, if you're making something that is a celebration of where you are, you get so much love and gratitude from people. And that's why I paint love murals because it's self-explanatory, number one. Number two, it's custom-made the place that I am. It's site-specific. It's just about them. And they know it and they appreciate it. And they want you to feel the love that you're giving them as well. So it's really a beautiful thing. Yeah. I get that. Have you got any particular sort of cities in Europe that you 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 quite enjoy for its, its sort of I mean I'm thinking of Lisbon in particular which I went to recently it's very it's a real sort of street artist playground um yeah have you got any I mean um and and America for instance I mean obviously New York is is the one yeah yeah I mean I, you know what I spend a lot of my time doing is just seeing and eating and and traveling um and i i've sort of acquired this beautiful collection of world-class celebrity chefs <laughs> and so when i'm in barcelona they say oh go see this person you know when i'm in in, in london go see this person uh you know i i could i could go on and on and on but that's one of the the beautiful things about this time that i'm living in now is that i'm older and i can appreciate not only art but great food when i was a kid it it was all hot dogs and pizza mm, right and now it, it, it's you know it's Mediterranean it's it's you know a, a classic American it's Italian all these other things and to be able to you know call those people friends is just a, a really wonderful thing whether I'm in New York or the south of France and it, it's just great to be able to have those relationships yeah that does sound fun do you cook yourself. Do, do you hear the silence? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, 
no, I mean, if I had to make something to survive, I could. But my my skills are very minimal. Even after all that stuff I said, I watch a lot of Food Network TV, and I, yeah, I can make a pasta dish. I can grill some kind of meat, but I'm not in the kitchen all day long for any reason at all. I'd rather be sitting down at somebody's table mm. with a knife and fork in my hand or, or a restaurant for that matter. Mm. That's like me. I appreciate good food, but the time spent making, I've got other things to think about. Yeah, prepping takes a lot of work. That's the first thing you learn. Would you say that art takes a lot of headspace? Like before you even create anything, yeah. the thinking, yeah. the emotion. Yeah. yeah. I have a one-track mind. There's nothing else I care about. Um, I mean, I, I have to preface that. I mean, I, I do care about my my family, but I spend a lot of time thinking about art because there's always a better way to do something. You could have added an extra coat. You could have made a cleaner cut. You could have found a better piece of source material. And I love looking at other people's art. And that's one of the things I spend a lot of time doing, whether it's on Instagram or in person at museums and galleries. There's so many talented people. And it's great when they come to your show because they get to see what you're doing and you get to share these little secrets. It's just really beautiful. Mm, Absolutely. With that collage. Yeah, I mean... I I started doing collage as a response to working with small children. Really? You give them a glue stick and some, you know, torn up pieces of paper and you just show them how to make, you know, color transitions from light to dark. You put one student on the left, one student on the right, one student in the middle, and they're all sort of working towards each other. One person has dark paper, one person has a middle tone, and one person has light. And they're sort of gluing until they meet each other. And you show them how to do these little color blends. And their eyes light Mm -hmm. up. And all of a sudden, you know, that's something that they could do at home, just like putting together a puzzle. It's it's not messy. Everybody knows what a glue stick is. Um, And to just watch them learn how to do this visual storytelling which is great absolutely great and then you show them the reveal after you know however many weeks the program is and they they see this thing that they did not see even though they worked on and then you add one more component you bring their parents in and their parents see this thing, and all of a sudden, they're just excited about making work. They're excited about their schoolwork, and that all comes from this little thing that you did with them. Mm. And I never would have imagined being a teacher. I never would have imagined being able to communicate with young people in a way that would give them a foundation for all these other things that they're going to do in life. How did that come about then? Organically. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was approached as a, um, as a vehicle to educate students, but I didn't think of it 
as something that I was going to get a lot out of. I thought, oh, this is a, you know, it's a paid gig and it's a great thing to be able to do. And then little by little, I started getting opportunities from universities around the country. And then I was traveling and I'm also preaching the gospel of hip hop culture. So I'm part historian, mm. part art teacher. And then I, I have this, this rich history working with all these musicians. And to string all of those things together is great because growing up, I would not have imagined that I would be a spokesperson for my generation. Yeah. But here I am. Yeah. And so you started to incorporate college and collage into your own work as a result of doing that. Well, yeah, it, it was born out of that because some of my friends are really good with spray paint and some of them are really great with brushwork and acrylic. But I don't know anybody that I came up with that can weave a story together in collage art the way I do. Mm. And I would not have imagined that even 20 years ago. Mm. I just did not see it coming, but that was born out of working with kids. Thank God. I don't know what my work would look it's like. It's amazing I'd be, how that comes about, isn't it? And what things come out of other things. Yeah. 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 It, it's so much fun. And I've just found so many ways to incorporate it into every bit of my artistic practice. I, I wish there were more ways I could bring it out into my mural making. I did a mural in um, uh, New Orleans I, and it was at a public school. And it was an exercise that I did with students. And I did uh, half of it in collage with teachers, parents, and students, and the other half was traditional, you know, house latex paint. Was this outside? It was what, outside. What do you use as your collage? You know, um, we used um, magazines and newspapers, oh, okay. the same news, you know, when we're in the classroom. But the thing that I did not understand was the power of the sun. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. The sun is very, very strong. Yeah, it's it's very strong. I was looking through this catalog to see. Oh, good. Look at that. Wow. I actually have a picture of it. Um, so that uh freedom wow. wall is called the freedom train. And that is the piece that I'm talking about. And that's and small pieces, is that? Yeah, it, it's paint and it's paper. And you know, I'll 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 bring it as close as I can bring it. Yeah. But describe it to the audio so that people listening can can know what the image is. It's just beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> but um it it's like I said, it's storytelling. So it's magazines and newspapers from in some cases the 50s and 60s really? and and present day is archival materials. Yeah. But it's a celebration of freedom. Yeah. And it's in New Orleans. It's, you know, we had to take it down right after the pandemic because the, the weather just beat it up so much. And I went there four times to um to fix wow. it. 
And after a while, the sun just won. The sun and the rain <laughs> just won out because it was just, you know, my heart was in it, but man, my body started to wear down. And it was just so tiring. But it was so much fun because, again, you know, unlike a lot of other artists, when they paint a mural, they paint it, they leave, they go to another town and they're done. Mm. I have a relationship with the city that I paint in. And so I go back and I'll touch up these murals that I do and I make friends in those towns. And it, it's this beautiful extended family. Mm. And it, it's something that, again, I would have never imagined that I would be a mural artist. I would be a teacher. Sure. I would be doing all these things that didn't look like opportunities when I was growing up. Mm. Who knows what's next? More. Yeah. Could be anything. Couldn't it? That's what's next. Just more. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's been great. Have you got any more questions to ask? Just I so much. Just that's been, been really, really wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, tell your listeners to check out the music of the specials. And I just want to say a big shout to my man, Terry Hall, who oh, passed cool. away recently. And when I was growing up, those UK bands really informed who I was as a kid. And I, I, I would have never imagined that I would be able to meet some of those people and to call them friends man they just came through the radio waves and it informed so much about who i was growing up whether it was the clash or or public enemy or the specials or the sex pistols and it, it was just you know a, a great moment and it really helped to shape who i am as not only an artist but as a person mm. And so I think that radio is a really powerful vehicle in that way because it was the one thing that didn't discriminate. When that music came across to you, it, it just reminded you that other people see you. Yeah. I agree. That's brilliant. It's true. And it's international. Yeah. And it's international. You know, I, I would have never imagined that I would have the opportunity to, to, visit the UK and to go all around London and Europe and Asia and all of it. Because back then my whole life was in my bedroom and I had to create my own universe, but to be able to see those things with my eyes shortly thereafter with run DMC and the beastie boys was a really, really cool thing. And, and man, I wouldn't have traded that moment for anything to be a young 20 something and to be in London at the Brixton Academy, man, like <laughs> it was just great. <laughs> Brilliant. Cool. Um, any last things you wanted to say, say? No, just thank you so much for having me on the show. I, I, I have to tell you, I, I, I just love any opportunity to touch young people awesome and to remind them of my journey and to let them know that the, the culture is still alive and well with them. Yeah. It's their opportunity to jump in 
on the timeline and contribute to the, the, the legacy because everybody's work is valid. And it doesn't matter what timeline, you know, you're a part of, you're a part of history and you have to make your own mark. Absolutely. It's great to love the pioneers, but there's always room for a new sensation. And, and you know, that could be you. So get in there and, and make work and don't throw anything away. No, that's that's really good advice to not throw anything away. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much, Say, uh, for joining us. It's been a real Welcome. pleasure. All right. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Artcast. Today we were joined by Say Adams and Emma Allen from our HNC in Fine Art at the Chelsea Centre. You can check out Say's work at sayadams.com, which features his paintings, murals, and any upcoming news that he has 